93.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga on the line. The show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. The sun is starting to shine a little bit here in the Auburn Opelika area. It was a nasty morning out there. Rain and wind and just a, a nasty morning and I came out of the office back here at Auburn Networks, and all of a sudden the sun was shining a little bit. So happy to see that. Maybe the rain will stay away. Haven't looked at the radar, so not too sure what it looks like, but hopefully the rain is gone. And we can enjoy a little bit of the sunshine here on this Wednesday, June 8th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well out there in the Auburn Opelika area, up through Birmingham, Sylacauga, across the state of Alabama, and wherever else you may be listening. I appreciate you tuning in to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We've got a great show uh, up for you today. And as always, you can call in and be a part of today's show. I always love when the callers uh, call in, give me their opinions, ask questions, comments, concerns, anything on your mind in the sports world. I want to hear from you and what you have to say. And the number to get you through to me is 334-321-1390. That is the number to get you through to me. So you can call in at any point today and talk to me on the air. We'll hash it out. Anything you want to talk about, please give me a call. 334-321-1390. We have Ben Taylor coming on today. Uh, He is from the... Auburn Opelika this morning radio show on our News Talk WANI sister station here at Auburn Networks. Ben Taylor hosts the Abbey Award winning Auburn Opelika this morning. He also is the host of the Dad Bod Golf Pod podcast. It's a uh, big time golf podcast. So he is coming on today to talk about this new Live Golf League that is being created and taking the golf world by storm. He will be on and talk about All of the things we need to know about this new golf league. So excited to have uh, Ben Taylor on today here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. It's a great show, and let's jump right into it. Look, Auburn football has answered the call in the transfer portal. That's what is on my mind today. And when you look at what Auburn has done in this offseason compared to six months ago, we should be ecstatic about it. We should be very, very excited as Auburn media, Auburn fans, and Auburn citizens, and Auburn alum, alumni, and whatever. If you are an Auburn football fan, you should be proud that Auburn football has answered the call in the transfer portal. And let me tell you why. There's some things I want to cover in this topic today. I want to talk about what the concerns were a couple of months ago because there were definitely some concerns with Auburn football in the transfer portal, right? We remember having those conversations right here on the show. Even when Noah was here and with you, the callers, people were worried about where Auburn football was going to get some help because it wasn't coming from the transfer portal. We're going to talk about that. Also, we're going to look at the players that have already committed through the transfer portal and how they will help Auburn this season and in the coming seasons. Not just talking about the players that have committed here, but how about the coaches that got them here? What has changed with this coaching staff to get players to come to Auburn? And then ultimately, is this something that will continue in the future? And then the big question that I ask you, the listener, that I would love to hear from, are you impressed and are you you satisfied now with what Auburn has done, Auburn football that is, 
Are you impressed by what Auburn football has done in the transfer portal? We talked about this. Uh, it, it was about three weeks ago. I was looking back at former or previous shows. It was almost three weeks ago, and yet Auburn has continued to do work in the transfer portal since then. And so my question to you, are you impressed and are you satisfied with what Auburn football has brought in through the transfer portal, the nine players they brought in during this offseason. Give me a call and let me know what's on your mind. 334-321-1390. But I want to look back to start. What were the concerns for this Auburn football team in the transfer portal? Why were we so worried about Auburn in the transfer portal? Because there's no doubt about it that there were some concerns. We were worried about Auburn because A, Auburn had some holes on this team, and B, Auburn wasn't going anywhere to get any help. They couldn't get anybody. Recruiting was bad, and the transfer portal was bad as well because the transfer portal is just another leg of recruiting at this point. You, you, we talk about them separately, but they're basically the same thing. You're still recruiting the guy to come play for your team. So it's basically the same thing. You're just not recruiting them in high school. So it's a different process, but it's the same idea. But that was the concern. The concern was not enough players for Auburn on this roster. Some big holes at some big positions. And ultimately, it came down to the wide receiver room and the offensive line. Right, we know the struggles that have had or, and that Auburn has had in those two rooms. Last year, the wide receivers were not that good. They dropped a lot of passes. They could not get open, and they cost Auburn football games last year. We know that was the scenario. And then the offensive line, I mean, how long have we been preaching this story? How long have we been singing this same song? The offensive line has been not good at times. It has been bad. But I have told you that I think this year it will take a step up and it will be effective this year. But this is the year that's important because next year, all of these guys that are on the offensive line will be leaving. And so where is Auburn going to go outside of high school recruits to get players? They've got to go to the transfer portal. Those were the two concerns. And we as Auburn fans wanted this staff and this team to go after some guys to bring in to fill on this offensive line because obviously up to this point they haven't been super effective that was the concerns with Auburn in the transfer portal right it was the wide receiver room the offensive line and just getting some guys in there to fill some holes on this team on both sides of the football so where is Auburn gone to get guys from the transfer portal well they've got nine of them to be exact Auburn has gone and gotten nine guys out of the transfer portal that are either going to make an immediate impact or I think will make future impacts down the road. You look at guys like Robbie Ashford, the quarterback who has had a, who had a fantastic spring and has possibly solidified himself as the second man on the depth chart. Some people say he'll be third. I think he's going to be second. I think he'll be second on the depth chart behind, oh yeah, another transfer quarterback, Mr. Zach Calzada himself, right? Zach Calzada transferred from Texas A&M, who I think will be Auburn's starting quarterback in, oh, by the way, 87 days, 87 days away from the college football season, 87 days until September 3rd. 
One of the transfers for Auburn, Zach Calzada, the quarterback from Texas A&M, he will be your starting quarterback in 87 days. So you'd look at those two quarterbacks and those two players that Auburn has gotten through the portal already. That's two of the nine that I'm about to talk about. Talk about impact. Talk about guys that will mean and make a difference on this team. You're looking at your starting quarterback and your backup quarterback. Now again, those aren't wide receivers and offensive linemen, but Auburn still needed a quarterback because Bo Nix is gone and TJ Finley was your only option besides throwing a brand new true freshman out there yet again. And I don't think Auburn wanted to do that. I don't think they wanted to do that. And obviously they did not. So they went and got a guy who has SEC experience. They also went and got a guy in Robbie Ashford that is very young and can be a good backup. Because again, TJ Finley ain't it, y'all. He ain't it. So you can, you can go ahead and send that one out the door. Because now Auburn went and got guys from the portal. They've got quarterbacks out of the portal who else has Auburn brought in from the transfer portal that can make an impact for this team you have Eugene Asante the linebacker from North Carolina a guy that made big plays for this North Carolina team in 2021 that's just depth to the defense a defense that is already going to be the best part of this football team you bring in a guy that has experience that has tackles on his on his resume and that can be a day one starter if needed You bring in a guy that knows how to play the game and can be a big-time superstar for you. And you add him to a linebacker room that if any of the places on the defense needed some help, it was the secondary and the linebackers, but there you go. You add another linebacker in there. You keep looking on the defensive side of the ball. You have Morris Joseph, the defensive lineman from Memphis. He's a big boy. He's He's a big guy. He is going to take up bodies on the defensive line. And again, will he be a starter? Maybe, maybe not. But he is definitely a guy that has reps and can help you on the defensive side. Right? Another defensive lineman, Jason Jones. He's a defensive line, 6'6", 328 pounds. Auburn is just helping themselves and building up guys on the defensive side to give them more reps, to give them depth, and that can help them out. Another one on the defensive side, Craig McDonald, the safety from Iowa State. There's a lot of people extremely high on this guy, myself included. We talked to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn yesterday. He mentioned him in Craig McDonald. When we were talking about a different transfer, he even threw in Craig McDonald because he's so excited about him. I agree. And I just said the secondary and the linebackers were the two places Auburn needed help. Where have they gone? They went and got a safety out of the transfer portal. They also went and got a corner, DJ James from Oregon. This guy has very impressive skill sets and very impressive mindsets and attitude. This guy could play. But even aside from those, what were the two positions that I talked about? The wide receivers and the offensive line? Well, no, Auburn didn't get an offensive lineman, but they did go get two wide receivers. The one we've talked a lot about, Coy Moore, the wide receiver from LSU, who've had 27 catches for 238 yards, 248 yards, something like that, who played 11 games over two years for the Tigers. You talk about a guy that could come in and make an immediate impact in the wide receiver room, one of the positions that we were worried about five months ago, he's the guy. And then you also bring in DeZalen Worsham, the wide receiver from Miami. He may not be 
immediate impact. He may not get a ton of playing time this year, but as I've talked about, this is a guy that will play years to come and play down the road who I think can become a really good wide receiver. But the competition that I talked about yesterday, the competition in the wide receiver room will make a guy like DeZalem Worsham that much better. Because he knows he's not going to play a ton unless he steps up and gets better. He knows that. And so how are those guys, those nine guys that I just talked about, how are they going to help Auburn? And why have that, why do they symbolize Auburn's success and how Auburn has answered the call in the transfer portal? Because most of those guys are going to play this year. Those guys are going to play on this year's team and make impacts on wins and losses on this year's schedule. That's what's important here. That's what you have to look at. And no, Auburn didn't go out and get 15 guys or 20 guys from the portal, but they still got nine, which is pretty good. And they got nine players where I would say seven of them are going to play significant playing time this season. Besides DeZalen Worsham and Robbie Ashford, I think the other guys are going to have significant minutes on the football field. And they're going to make immediate impact. I use that term all the time because it's so important. You're going to feel these guys and see them on the football field making plays that benefit Auburn. The Tigers didn't go out and get guys that were worthless and just got guys to say they did. No, they went after some dudes. And they went after players that are going to benefit this team and fit this roster really well. And that's where you have to give credit where credit is due. But to get those nine guys to come to Auburn, what changed? Because something changed. Because remember five, six months ago when we were all extremely worried and asking, where are we going to get players from and who are we going to get to come to Auburn and how are we going to fill the holes on this roster? What changed? Because there for a while, nobody wanted to come here. And Auburn wasn't getting anybody to do it. But something changed and something happened, right? Even after the February stuff that happened with Brian Harson, something changed in the mindset of Brian Harson and his coaches. They figured out how to sell recruits on the future and on Auburn. And you know what? They believed him. And they still do believe him. Because remember, after the Brian Harson situation, after the players that didn't want to be here left, what did the players that were here, what did they say? They were bought in, and they believed in Brian Harson. That speaks to guys that are recruits, and that speaks to guys in the transfer portal. Because when Auburn reaches out, and, they, and they're trying to sell these recruits and these transfer portal players on Auburn in the future and sell them on Brian Harson as a head coach, they can look at the guys on the current roster that said the exact same thing and that they believe. That helps them. And that says, you know what, if they believe, maybe I should too. And I think that's what's happened. Brian Harson is saying, look, I know that right now as a program, we can't measure up to Alabama and Georgia and some of those other schools. But with your help, we can get there. And with my guidance and my coaches, we can get us there. And we can get you into the next level. That's what they're selling. They've got to be. That's the only thing that they can be saying. You know what they're guaranteeing? Wins, championships, and development. Those are the three things that I have said that Brian Harson and this staff have to be able to guarantee. And you can't just guarantee them, you've got to get them.
And you've got to make that happen. Because if you guarantee wins, championships, and development, and you don't make those happen, you're going to be fired. And that starts this year. Maybe not the championships, but you got to get the wins and you got to develop these players because they're coming to Auburn to win and win championships and get better as players and try to move on to the next level. And that is what has changed in the last couple of months. And that is why you see Auburn has gotten nine guys out of the transfer portal. Seven of them will make immediate impact with playing time this season. That is how Auburn has answered the call in the transfer portal. And so the big question is, yeah, I consider this a success right now. But will this continue in the future? Is this a one-hit wonder? Or is this something that Auburn and Brian Harson can hang their hat on and continue to have success down the road? I think they will. I think this will continue in the future. And I think the transfer portal may be a very, very important aspect, not just for all other college programs, because it is, but especially for Auburn. Because let's just be honest, while Nick Saban and Kirby Smart are at Alabama and Georgia respectively, Auburn can't compete with them in the recruiting trail. They just can't. They can't do it right now. And so where do you go if you can't compete on the recruiting trail? Go to the transfer portal. Go get guys that have played before. Go get guys that have already have experience and you can say, hey, why don't you bring that experience and knowledge here where we're already building something? I think that's what's going to have to happen. So, will Auburn and Brian Harson keep up in the transfer portal in the future? Can they keep up with the SEC? I think so. But what do you think? And then ultimately, are you impressed? Are you impressed with what Auburn has done? I asked you these questions a couple of weeks ago, and Auburn has continued to make progress and go get another wide receiver in Coy Moore. Are you impressed with what Auburn has done in the transfer portal? We'll talk about that and... The transfer that I think will make the most impact this upcoming season. We're going to talk about that on the other side of this break. We're off and running here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Wednesday edition of the show. Look, Auburn football has answered the call on the transfer portal. That's the, that is the hill that I am standing on and the hill that I will die on right now on this season. And the real question now becomes, what kind of impact are these players going to have on this season? I think of the nine that we've been talking about, seven of them will see the field and see significant time on the field this season. The two that will probably not would be Robbie Ashford, who I think will be the backup quarterback and then Desalen Worsham from Miami, the wide receiver. And the reason I say that is because I think he will be more in a development role. He will be in more of a let's practice and get you better and maybe try to make you a significant part of this team next year or even possibly the following year. So that is what I think will happen with him. But everybody else, I mean, everybody else will make big impacts on this team. But here's the question. Which one will make the most impact on this year's football team in the year 2022? We're 87 days away from the college football season, and we're trying to decide which of these seven will make the most impact on this year's season. 
And the answer is simple. It's going to be Zach Calzada. He will be the one player from the transfer portal that will make the most impact on this year's Auburn football team. And the reason is, he's going to be your starting quarterback. Zach Calzada will start for Auburn in 87 days. I think that is a guarantee. And if that's not the case, then something went terribly wrong. Either he just was not any good, or this coaching staff doesn't know what they're doing. That's my opinion on it, because... TJ Finley ain't it. Robbie Ashford, he's good. And I think in years past, if this was Gus Malzahn, Robbie Ashford would have a great chance to start. He would have a great chance to start because that's the type of player and type of quarterback that Gus Malzahn and his future or his former staff used to like. And there's nothing wrong with that. So if he was still here, Robbie Ashford would have a decent chance at starting. But he's not here anymore. And this offense is changing. It's becoming more of a pro-style offense. And so when you look at this roster, there's one guy right now that fits, that fits the pro-style offense at quarterback who has the experience and is actually good and has, again, has some experience. It's Zach Calzada. And so that is why I think he will be the transfer that makes the most impact And I think it'll be positive impact. That could go negative impact now. That could. If he comes in and just sucks it up, that's a pretty big impact negatively. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I like Zach Calzada to be successful as Auburn's starting quarterback. But that was sort of an obvious answer. What's the next one? Okay, The next transfer that will make a big impact on, on this season. And I think there's a combination. Honestly, I really do. I think there's a combination of, of a couple of them. And, you know, this conversation kind of got sparked because I was looking back at some of my previous shows, and three weeks ago yesterday was when I was talking about Auburn football being successful in the transfer portal, and yet they added another guy. They added another player at wide receiver, one of the positions that we were worried about. And so it got me thinking, okay, Auburn's gone and got these guys. What can I tell you, the listener, about them and why it's a good thing Auburn went and got them. That's kind of the mindset here, right? And so the question is still posed to you. At this point, are you impressed and are you satisfied with Auburn football's work in the transfer portal? Give me a call, 334-321-1390. But outside Zach Calzada, I think it could be a combination of the ones that are going to make the most impact I'm really impressed and reading up on the players again that have already committed and come out of the transfer portal. I think there's a couple. I think Craig McDonald, the safety from Iowa State, and I also think Coy Moore, the wide receiver Auburn just got, and I think Morris Joseph and Eugene Asante. I can't pick, y'all. I cannot pick. I can't just pick one. Besides Zach Calzada, I can't pick because I think three, four, possibly even five – at the end of the season or even halfway through the season or coming into the Iron Bowl, we're going to say, wow, do you remember when Auburn went and got this guy in the transfer portal and back in April, May, and June we were talking about him? We're going to say, wow, what a great pickup that was. Look how good he has become for Auburn. Look how much, look how the plays that he's making for Auburn. Look at the impact that he has for Auburn. I think we could see ourselves doing that with three, four, five of these players. Now, the odds would say 
that not all nine of them are going to be fantastic superstars for Auburn. And that's probably true. That's probably true. A couple of them are probably not going to work out. And that's okay. But Auburn has gone and gotten nine of these guys from the transfer portal. They have filled the holes that we asked them to fill besides the offensive line. Okay? They failed there. I will give you that. They failed there. They didn't get any offensive linemen, whether that was that they decided not to go after any or there wasn't any worth going after or they went after some and everybody told them absolutely not. Whatever the case may be, Auburn failed on that front. I will give you that. But other than that... They answered the call. And so I think when you look at these guys that have been brought in from the transfer portal for Auburn, you're looking at a good group. And you're adding them to a good group that's already on the team. Whether you think so or not, there's some talent on this football team. There is. And I think we're going to see it. I'm interested to see how long it takes these transfer portal players to get into rhythm and get used to the new system and how long it'll take for them to get significant playing time. Because it may not be immediately. That's what you have to remember here. These guys are just now coming in. Think about a Coy Moore, the wide receiver from LSU that Auburn just picked up a few days ago. He hasn't even practiced with the team, and he won't have practiced with the team until August. So you've got to think about that, and you've got to give them a little bit of time. But I think Auburn football answered the call. I think they did. I think they answered the call to the best of their ability. And with the situation that they were in and the situation of the program and the aftermath of everything that happened with Auburn football and Brian Harson, I don't think you could ask for anything better than what they did in the transfer portal this offseason. I think they got, the players that they got will make a big-time impact, and you can't ask for anything better than what you got right now. 30 minutes in to hour number one. Stay tuned. Our conversation with Ben Taylor about the new Live Golf League is on the other side of this break. Stay tuned. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins halfway through hour number one of the Wednesday edition of the show. Welcoming in a new guest to the show, Ben Taylor, host of Auburn Opelika this morning on our sister station, News Talk WANI, and host of the Dad Bod Golf Pod podcast, Ben Taylor. Thanks for coming on, man. How are you? What's up, brother? How are you, man? I'm doing great. Well, we're bringing you on to talk about some golf. I introduced the yeah. the Live Golf Tour yesterday just a little bit on the show because it is a brand new thing mm-hmm. and it's something that most people don't really know a whole lot about, myself included. And so I wanted to bring you on. You host a, a big time golf podcast mm-hmm. and you cover it really well. You know what you're talking about. And so I wanted to bring you on and ask you and get everything that you know about this new Live Golf Tour and I'll be honest, I had to ask you yesterday how to pronounce this because it looks like L-I-V, and was it live, was it L-I-V, is it 54 because of the amount of holes that they play? So I had to ask you just the basic question of how you pronounce this thing, and so I want to bring you on, talk about this, why are so many big-time golfers going there and all of that. So first of all, what is this new golf tour that is 
become the big rival of the PGA. It is a money grab, and I am here for it because the PGA has kind of long ruled over these players. These guys are independent contractors, so they're getting an opportunity now to, to go and make their money. You know, it all started, it really got handled poorly, and I'm really kind of shocked that he's uh, that they're allowing him to still come on there. They need his name probably, the Live Tour does. Phil Mickelson, he started this. If, if that interview, I've said, this is, everybody goes, it's controversial, it's controversial. I'm like, it wouldn't be controversial if Phil hadn't come out and made the statements he did talking about how the company and the money behind it, you never know. They, you know, they're big into persecution and they don't like people and they'll throw people off cliffs and they kill people and stuff like that. And it's like, but I think I'm going to go give it a try. Like, if he hadn't have said that, if he would have just said, he, and he bashed the PGA Tour and he bashed the USGA a little bit. And so that kind of started it off on the wrong foot. Uh, and it gave them some bad publicity. I'm all about people getting their money. If they if they can go and they can make money somewhere, I'm all about doing it. The Live Tour is going to allow them to do that. It's supposed to be more fan friendly is what they're calling it uh everybody thinks that they're possibly playing overseas they got four tournaments that are going to be on u.s soil so they're not going to be overseas every single time now they do kick it off in london but after that they're going to come and play at trump national a couple a couple of times and then uh one in new jersey one down in south florida and then they're also going to play over on the west coast over in oregon so uh they are put in they're not trying everybody's also assuming we're trying to compete with pga tour they're not trying to do that they're not going up against head-to-head -head against majors. They want these players to be able to play both tours. The people, the organizers of the Live Tour do. Uh, it only helps them because if they can get more big names to come over, which it was announced earlier today, they did. Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, who have both said, well, Patrick never said he wasn't going. Uh, DeChambeau did say that he wasn't going. Uh, but now, and he was rumored at the beginning to go, but then he had injury issues and then wasn't playing for a while, so it was like, well, he may have ruined his chances of going now because he may not go play injured. But uh, played last weekend, didn't make the cut, and so now he's decided that he is going to play. There's a couple of key factors here. So they're resigning from the PGA Tour, and people are going, why are they doing that? Okay, that's just like you resigning from this company. Once you resign from this company, the bosses can't do anything like ordering you around. They can't keep you from doing stuff. If you're like, hey, I want to do a podcast or I want to do this or I want to do or I want to go do play by play for another radio station. They can't stop you from doing that. Same with this. They are resigning their position from the PGA Tour and basically turning in their card. So that way, when they play in opens or invites or invitationals or whatever you call it, the PGA Tour can't say you can't play in that because they don't belong to the PGA Tour. So you can't suspend somebody that doesn't work for you. So that's how that works. So that's why I guess Kevin Nall was the first one that said, I'm turning in my resignation, which is basically almost like a retirement because here's another key thing. The guys that have been on there long enough, they get to keep their pension even when they resign from the P PGA Tour. So it's the best of both worlds for them. Now, where will this go? We don't know. You know, everybody's worried about, well, what if it just folds? It's a two-year commitment out of the people that commit to this. So the DeChambeaus and the Patrick Reeds of the world that committed this morning, they didn't just commit this morning. They committed to two years of service for these guys because uh, they plan on doing the minimum eight tournaments this year. Could go more. It's written in the rules and the bylaws that they – money talks. I mean, if somebody else says, hey, we want you to come play in our city, that they may do it. Uh, I don't know that they'll – I don't think they'll go past 10 or 12. I just don't think they'll do that just because of the way the – they don't want to compete with the PGA Tour season, so they're not going to try to. 
Uh, so I don't see it going over 12, but right now minimum eight this year, minimum eight next year. So it's a two-year commitment. I think that that's when the Live Tour will reevaluate and say, hey, are we in the black here? Are we making any money? And if they are, they'll continue with year three because some of them have signed three-year deals. Not all of them, but some of them have signed three-year deals. Uh, but I think they're going to reevaluate after two years and go from there. Um, people keep saying, well, what if they run out of money? I don't think you understand how much money the people that are running this tournament have. Them committing $125 million to Dustin Johnson is basically like me giving Dustin Johnson a $5 bill. Like oh that's gosh. that's what kind of they have. I mean, we're talking in the trillions here that they have. So flipping 125 million to one player, six million to another, that's essentially like you giving the entire field a hundred dollar bill and going here, split it amongst yourselves, and then being okay with it. Like that's the kind of money that is involved here. So they're not going to run out of money, but they're also not going to operate at a loss after a couple of years either because they're good businessmen. So they will see what they can get out of it. A um, couple of things of note to, to watch. No network has picked them up, so they'll be on YouTube. Not YouTube TV. You literally can log on to YouTube. You can search Live Tour, and when they start playing on the 9th, which is tomorrow, uh, you can be watching that tournament. It's a live stream. It's a live stream. It's a live stream on YouTube, but they're also Facebook living it, so if you want to follow them on Facebook, some people are doing that as well. Uh, that's the, that thing. That's the only two locations. I think there are going to have like some BBC coverage from overseas, but uh, unless some of you have some sort of television, I don't know about. Then, uh, <laughs> doesn't affect not, us. Yeah, it doesn't affect you at all. So you're not going to be able to watch that. So uh, it is going to be a streaming only thing for a little bit. I got a sneaky suspicion if this continues to grow, Dustin Johnson in it, Phil Mickelson in it, Sergio Garcia in it, Kevin Na in it, Taylor Gooch, who's got a couple of wins already on the PGA Tour this year, is in it. Uh, these, if these names continue to drop and move over to the list, and that, I'm not saying move over because they're still going to play some PGA Tour events. If they continue to play this tour and play some events on the PGA Tour, which the majors would be included in that, um, a, as well as invitationals and opens, anything that has open on it where you got to qualify to get in, um, they're going to be fine. And the USGA. People were kind of hoping that they'd say, no, we're going to put a stop to it. We're not going to let them play. Well, yesterday, the CEO of, and or the president of the USGA, he came forward and made a statement. He's like, no, if they qualify, if they qualify to play in our event, we're not going to switch the rules on them just because they're playing somewhere else. And, and he personally doesn't – I did like the fact he personally does not like the Live Tour. He doesn't like that they're doing this. However, from a business standpoint – he said, I can't let my personal feelings get in the way of we running of the way we run everyday activities within the USGA. So they're gonna allow them to play. Now, that is this year. That may change for next year. I don't know. Right. Uh, after they have an off season to talk about it, which off season in golf is every bit of I don't know, maybe a month. I was maybe, about to say not very long. Maybe thirty days. A lot of people don't realize when they start playing. Uh, events in October and November of this year, that will be considered the 2023 season. That'll be the new season of wow. golf. So uh, so the golf season begins actually, I mean, literally three or four months ahead of where the actual calendar year begins. Um, so we shall see. Be interesting stuff. Uh, it's interesting formats. They've got a teams uh, that have been set up as well, events that are going to be taking place. Uh, some of the teams, uh, they, they people have already made fun of, like hokey, corny, team names, team logos. They are weird. They're strange. However, I would like to remind everybody, during the offseason, a lot of these players will play in Saudi events because they get 
what they call promotional money or they get appearance money. Tiger was one that did it. DJ's done it numerous times. If you will ever watch the pictures that they take at the press conferences of those, they dress them up in really weird stuff. Like this, this is not abnormal to see these funky names and these uh, funky logos that are taking place. Um, Dustin Johnson heading up a team called the Four Aces. Phil Mickelson heading up the High Flyers. Um, Wade Ormsby, who I wish they'd have gone with Matt Jones there. Matt Jones is on that team, but he's probably a more well-known. They're with Punch Golf Club. Uh, the Cliques headed up by Martin Keimer. Martin Keimer, a U.S. Open winner. He yeah. hasn't won a whole lot as of late, uh, but he's still a name. He's a big European name, so they'll be able to get some European watchers there. Kevin Na, the first defector. By the way, he's got the best logo, the Iron Heads. I don't know why that looks so cool. I think that'd look good on a hat if you had it. Um, CY Kim, who has been in the in the news as of Nate, playing really good golf. Uh, he's playing for. He is the captain and playing for Smash Golf Club. Peter Uline, another American, playing for the Crushers and heading up them. Ian Poulter, who is probably the Ryder Cup king. Uh, Lee Westwood's played in his group. It's kind of funny. Lee Westwood wanted to be a Ryder Cup captain, so. He basically was never able to be a Ryder Cup captain. Now he's not even captaining his own team that's on uh, or the team that he's a part of, the Majestics. Uh, Ian Poulter is. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen is on there. That's going to be the South African team because he's already taken uh, Charles Schwartzel, who's also a PGA Tour player. He's over there. Brendan Grace, who's had a couple of wins, is over there. Sergio Garcia, the Spaniard, uh, he leads the Fireballs. He's got two uh, amateurs playing on his team. Interesting thing about the amateurs. Amateurs, when they win the amateur – and get all these passes to play in the majors you know, for the next couple of years, they still can't get paid. Well, now they're getting paid, and that's why they're jumping. They can't get paid from the PGA Tour, they but they can with the, the Live P- Tour. Not just the PGA Tour. They can't enter a uh, – if you had a special tournament out here at Saugahatchee and it paid out cash money, they can't make over $750 a year. Right. Or event, excuse me, $750 an event. So uh, now they can. So they will forgo their amateur status by doing this, which is fine because Piat is one that is going to be in the field, and he's an amateur. He won the uh, 2021 USAM. He is getting paid minimum $6 million. And I don't Crazy. think people realize there are a lot of, I call them freshman tour, freshman tour players as their first year out. They're never going to make $6 million the first year. No. So the fact that he's got that in hand before the first ball is struck. And keep in mind, there's no cut in these events. So they're going to make money. Even if they finish dead last, they're making money. Right. And that's what I wanted to ask you about a little bit was the different the different rules and the formats of this live tour. Mm-hmm. How, what's the difference between the live tour and the PGA tour in an individual golf event? You talk about no cuts, there's less rounds. Uh what what is that gonna look like? Right now that's really all we know. We've we've heard that there are gonna be possible uh stroke play events and the team event. And so I'm kind of wondering if they're going to handle it kind of like college golf does, where you got four players on the team. Did they take the best three scores out of the four players? And then the the low guy drops out. We should see. Uh, Getting back to the names, a local connection, Turk Pettit is from here, from the Auburn area, played at Clemson, won a national title individually at Clemson. He's over there going to be playing in this. So we've been trying to get him on the pod. Taylor Gooch, uh, he's also a multi – he's won a couple of times this year, and uh, he's going to lead up Torque golf club and so uh, Niblix is the one that Graham McDowell Graham McDowell played at UAB and uh, he the Irishman that played at UAB but and it was a big part of Ryder Cup uh, hoopla he's going to be leading up a team so um, it, it'll be interesting to see the formats and how they do it it is only 54 holes a couple of other things that they have to do 
is they are they have to guarantee that they will give um, uh, 90 minutes worth of uh, press conference time. They don't have to do that here. And, you know, you'll notice if you watch press conferences with golfers, uh, whether it be before a major or whatever, there'll be a guy that jumps in there and says, hey, a couple of more questions, guys, or last question or something of that nature. That's not the case this time. And those that have followed golf closely and they watch press conferences will tell you when you get into international play like Ryder Cup play and uh, President's Cup play and that kind of thing, some of the reporters will ask some of the stupid. Some of these guys are going to be asked about Trump. They're going to be asked political questions. They're going to be asked about their favorite color and their favorite food. And they have to sit there and just answer. And they got to sit there and take it. They yeah. can't leave for like not, the clock starts and until people run out of questions, they're going to be sitting there for ninety minutes. Now they, some of these team, some of these guys are going to, some of these reporters are going to realize these guys don't want to answer all these questions. I doubt they're there the whole ninety minutes. Uh, some other things, if you. Or a big let's just say something somebody like an AT and T sponsored somebody in this thing. The CEO of AT and T can actually walk with the group inside the ropes. That's crazy. While they're you know while they're playing, and fans can do that too. If right, if they pay Fan, enough if or they something pay like enough, that. It, yeah, it's going to be a sponsorship based deal. But they're trying to make this very low key, fan friendly. Uh, they've talked about how they're going to be doing different things on the broadcast from various shots to things that they do. Think think. The latest that's done that is like when they've done the match, like Tiger and Phil did the match that made, you know, all kinds of money. It was pay-per-view and it paid out a million bucks or $10 million, whatever it paid out. And it's going to be like that, but on steroids. Um, Some of them are going to be mic'd up, some of them aren't. So it's going to be interesting to see. Stay tuned in hour number two for the second half of the conversation with Ben Taylor, host of Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WANI, our sister station and co-host of Dad Bod Golf Pod, the golf podcast. Uh, you can find that wherever you get your podcast. Let's take our final break here in hour number one. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Wrapping up hour number one of the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Right here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn Opelika area and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. We've got a few more minutes before we get out of here for hour number one. Game three of the NBA Finals is tonight with the series tied at one apiece. The series will shift to Boston. Game three between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics tonight at 8 o'clock on ABC. Also, Tune in right here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn Opelika area at 7.30. We'll have this game, the national ESPN broadcast, live right here on ESPN 106.7. So tune in at 7.30 for the pregame coverage and then at 8 o'clock for tip-off between Golden State and Boston. Great series so far. It's been two games. We're two games in. Uh, Boston stole game one on the road. And then Golden State uh, turned around, bounced back, and won game two. It's a tied series at one apiece with game three tonight in Boston. Look, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in hour number two, but I look for this to be a great matchup tonight. I think this series is going six or seven games. That is, I think that was really agreed upon by everybody around the NBA 
you don't, you know, obviously making predictions on whether it was going to be Golden State or Boston to win this series, but I think almost everybody was in agreement that this was going to go six or seven games. Uh, we're still just two games in. A team could just catch fire and take away and, and run away with this thing, if you will, but I don't think that's the case. I look for this to go to six or seven games. I still like Boston in seven, I believe. Uh, I believe Boston will win this in seven. I would love for them to win it in five or six. That would be fantastic. But I like Boston to win on the road in Golden State in game seven. But long way to go before we get there. Game three tonight, Golden State and Boston. Uh, The current spread is Celtics minus three and a half. So they're predicting the Celtics to win by four or more. And the over-under is 213 and a half. You know, that's tough. Three and a half for Boston is a, it's, it's crazy how good Vegas is at what they do. That seems like the perfect line because, you know, I don't think Golden State wins tonight. I think Boston will win tonight. I think the Celtics win game three tonight and take a 2 1 lead. Uh, but four points, I, you just don't know, you know, because if you look at, if you look at uh, game two, it was 120 to 10, or excuse me, game one, it was 120 to 108. So it's a 12 point victory for the Celtics. And then you look at game two, it was a blowout, 107 to 88 for Golden State. So, you know, if I was a betting man, which I am not, uh, I like Boston minus three and a half. I would take the Celtics minus three and a half at home. Let's say they win by four or more in TD Garden. I think the crowd's going to be on their feet and loud and raucous there in TD Garden. I look for Boston to win tonight. I like Boston tonight. Give me the Celtics uh, in Game 3. We're going to talk about this a little bit more in the Making Headlines segment in hour number two. But again, expect this series to go six or seven games. Expect these games to be physical. I expect Draymond Green to continue to do what he does and be the biggest pest in the NBA history, but he's extremely good at what he does, and it's very effective. And so, you know, will he will he have that same energy? Is he going to get teed up again tonight? Will he get ejected tonight? Will somebody else get teed up or ejected? We saw a lot go on in Game 2. Will that carry over to Game 3? And also, if you follow me on Twitter, at Goins2Jacob, G-O-I-N-S, the number 2, J-A-C-O-B, the one thing that I've been saying all series long, and really the playoffs, Jason Tatum's got to be more aggressive. You're the best player in these playoffs, I think, right now. Be aggressive and show it. That's it for hour number one. Stay tuned for hour number two of On the Line. We'll be right back. are on the line live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on the line. The show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you in hour number two of the Wednesday edition of the show. 
Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn Opelika area and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 up through Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday afternoon. A little bit of sun, a little bit of clouds out there. Uh, nasty morning. It was raining all day and then... All of a sudden, it just stopped, and the sun decided to come out a little bit. So hopefully, hopefully the sun is or the sun is here to stay, and the rain is gone, and we can enjoy the rest of the afternoon. If you're still here from hour number one, thank you so much. I appreciate you. If you're just now tuning in for hour number two, I appreciate you as well. Thank you so much for being here. I'm blessed to be here and excited for a great hour number two of the Wednesday edition of On the Line. If you missed any of hour number one, make sure you find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded there immediately following today's show. All you got to do is search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Also, Phone lines are open all of hour number two. If you want to call in, give me your thoughts, opinions, questions, comments, concerns. I'd love to hear from you. Call in. Be a part of the show. Get involved. I love hearing from you, the listener, and you, the caller. The phone number to get you through to me is 334-321-1390. You can call in about anything I'm talking about, anything going on in the sports world. I'd love to hear from you. So give me a call, 334-321-1390. Well, we're going to start hour number two like we always do with making headlines. And the biggest headline so far today is tonight, actually, game three of the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Game three tonight in Boston at TD Garden. That game will be at 8 o'clock on ABC. Tune in right here on ESPN 106.7 in the Auburn Opelika area at 7.30. You can catch the pregame uh, from the national ESPN broadcast and then at 8 o'clock tip-off will be right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you tune in for that game three between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. Should be a great game. The first two games were. Uh, Game one, it was a historic comeback for the Boston Celtics to come back and win and steal game one on the road. And then, of course, in game two, uh, Golden State just really took it to Boston. I figured they would respond that way. Of course, I thought that Golden State was going to do that in game one, and Boston was, and they did for the first three quarters until Boston came back and stole game one. And then in game two, Golden State uh, really just kind of showed dominance on the offensive end between Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. Draymond Green, he did what he does best. He got under the skin of the opponent. He pestered a couple people, got some foul calls, and ultimately Golden State, they win by double digits in game two. And so game three tonight in TD Garden, it's the first game in Boston of the NBA Finals. I look for a lot of chippiness from both sides. Again, I look for, uh, see if Clay. Thompson for the Golden State Warriors can get back on track. He has not played well at all in the first two games, and Boston has to try and take advantage of that because once he gets hot, and if he gets hot and Clay, or excuse me, and Steph Curry gets hot at the same time, it's almost a, a death sentence, if you will. So can the Celtics continue to keep Clay Thompson as a non-factor? Can you keep Steph Curry from going off for 40 points? And then ultimately, if you're Boston, can you get Jason Tatum going? He's one of the best players in the NBA. He's an NBA all-first team. And 
You've got to get him going a little bit. And he can rise up and knock it down over somebody that's smaller than him. But I look for him to be assertive. I want him to be assertive tonight. Jason Tatum at home, game three. You can take a 2-1 lead in the NBA Finals. Jason Tatum has to be assertive. He has to be aggressive. Take the ball to the rack. Pull up in the mid-range. Be aggressive in transition. Jason Tatum has to be the man for the Boston Celtics to win this series. We will see if he can be aggressive tonight. He hasn't been in the last few games of this series or the Miami series. So I want him to be aggressive for 40 minutes. Also, you look at some other guys around the team. Can Al Horford continue to be a dominant big man and he doesn't have to go off for so many threes and 20-something points like he did in game one, but continue to be effective down low and even on the three-point line. I look at Jalen Brown. He needs to be effective as well. So Boston and Golden State, game three tonight at TD Garden in downtown Boston. Game three tonight. Series tied at one apiece. The winner will take a 2-1 series lead into game four in Boston. All of the games of the NBA Finals are right here on ESPN 106.7. Moving on with making headlines, the new Live Golf Tour gets underway this weekend. Their first tournament will be in London. Uh, They play eight tournaments a year. Okay, They play eight golf tournaments throughout their calendar season, if you will. And this is the new golf league that is, some people are saying rivaling the PGA. I was saying that as well. But it turns out that they're not realistically rival, I guess, trying to be a rival of the PGA. They are just competing with the PGA. But most of the time, the the Live Golf Tour is not scheduling tournaments on big tournament days for the PGA. Now, this weekend, there is the RBC, I think it's the Canada Open or or the Canada Tournament uh, up in Canada, obviously. So that is a PGA event, but this Live Golf Tournament is not scheduling one of their eight tournaments during the Masters or during, you know, the PGA Championship, right? They're not doing that. And so, yes, they're competing, but I wouldn't say they're trying to rival the PGA, but it has definitely caught fire and Big-time names in the golf world are going and playing in this live tour. You have players like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, Kevin Na. There's rumors that Ricky Fowler might go and play in this live golf tour. There's two players that just today decided they wanted to go and and play in this live golf tournament, Bryson DeChambeau and Patrick Reed. Those guys have gone over and, and decided to play in this live golf tour. They're also resigning from the PGA. And if you were here in hour number one, you heard Ben Taylor, host of uh, Auburn Opelika this morning on our sister station, News Talk WANI, and also host of Dad Bod Golf Pod, a big time golf podcast. He talked about it in hour number one, what it means for players to resign from the PGA, which basically means the PGA can't tell them what to do anymore. And these players can go and play wherever they want. And no, they can't play in PGA events, but the four majors aren't PGA events. The Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, besides the PGA Championship. Obviously, that one is. But you have the Masters and the Opens, where you have to qualify and be invited to play in. The PGA can't say anything to these players if they want to come and play or not. And players like Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau are getting paid hundreds of millions of dollars to go play in this new Live Golf League, Live Golf Tour, whatever you want to call it. And 
There's a lot of backlash. There's a lot of backlash because of where the money is coming from and who is supporting this league. It's a bunch of the Saudi uh, big-time people in Saudi, right, and a bunch of people that work with a government that is not the most um, friendly, I guess you could say. That's the political side of it, and that's not what I want to get into here. What the highlight of this is is the amount of money that's being thrown around and the big names that are leaving the PGA and going and playing at a new golf tournament. In hour one, we had our conversation with Ben Taylor. The second half of that conversation will be here at hour number two at the 3.30 time slot. So make sure you're here at 3.30 if you have more interest in this Live Golf Tournament. Ben Taylor uh, will be will play the second half of that interview at 3.30. Lots of good information in there, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Moving on with making headlines, former Auburn basketball player Justin Powell, who uh, was a sharpshooter here at Auburn. Some things went down. He transferred to Tennessee, didn't really play a whole lot. He was in really during garbage time, and even when he was in, he didn't have that much of an impact on the game, didn't really score a whole lot, and just overall didn't get a whole lot of minutes. He was in the transfer portal. He is now going to Washington State. That's right, Justin Powell has committed to play at Washington State. Look, say what you will about the guy. When he was at Auburn, he was pretty good, right? He could shoot the three ball pretty well. That's kind of all he could do. And I always said it this way, you know, I didn't know the guy personally. I'd never talked to him. So this is just from the outside looking in. I said that Justin Powell Powell was one of those guys that when he's on your team, you love him because he's he's one of those just like gritty, kind of just make you mad type of players, but he's good enough to where he can kind of talk and you can't say anything about it. So I always said he was the type of player that if he's on your team, you love him. But if he's on the other team, you hate him, right? That's kind of the vibe you get with Justin Powell. And not hate's a strong word, but you know what I'm trying to say. And when he was at Tennessee, Auburn fans did not like him because he left Auburn and, you know, all of that. But he really didn't do a whole lot, especially in the Auburn-Tennessee game. He didn't do anything. I don't think he scored in that game. So you can say what you will. He didn't have a whole lot of impact at Tennessee. He transferred. He is going to Washington State. Justin Powell, former Auburn basketball player, has committed to play at Washington State. Moving on and making headlines, we are 20 days away from the 2022 NBA draft where Auburn and Auburn fans hope to have the first ever school history number one overall pick in Jabari Smith. Also hoping to see Walker Kessler get taken either late first round, possibly second or early second round for Walker Kessler. So 20 days away from the NBA draft. As it gets closer, we will continue to talk about that. We will look at some of the NBA mock drafts and the draft boards to see where they are expecting Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler to go. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it may have even, even been last week, we talked about Jabari Smith and how the Orlando Magic, there was reports that they said that they wanted to take Jabari Smith number one overall. Of course, nothing is confirmed. Obviously, they haven't drafted him yet, but that is where the feelings are going is that the Orlando Magic will take Jabari Smith number one overall. We shall see in 20 days where Jabari Smith goes and where Walker Kessler goes. I expect Jabari Smith to go number one overall to the Orlando Magic, and I also expect Walker Kessler to go early second round. That's going to be my prediction for him. That one's obviously more difficult to kind of predict on where he is going to go, uh, but 
I just want Walker Kessler to go to a good team where he can make an impact. That's the biggest thing that I can that I can stress when it comes to Walker Kessler. Go, try to go to a team. Obviously, he doesn't have a whole lot of impact on this, but I want him to go to a team where he is not expected to be an immediate starter and be that instant impact player where there's so much put on his shoulders. I want him to go to a, uh, to a, a, an organization and a team that he can get some reps, he can get some playing time, but he is on the back burner where they could develop him a little bit, get him more to the NBA-style player that he needs to be, and gradually bring him into the rotation. Whereas Jabari Smith, wherever he gets drafted, he's going to be starting night one in the NBA. Whoever the Orlando Magic play or wherever he gets drafted, whoever their first, first opponent is, Jabari Smith's going to be on the floor night one, and he will be in the starting lineup. So, there's a big difference between what they will ask of these two players, but I still think Jabari Smith goes number one overall, and I also think Walker Kessler will go early second round. I want to see him go to Golden State, but we'll see how it goes. Also with making headlines, this one is definitely more on the negative side and on the uh, more touchy subjects, and we're not going to get into the the touchy parts of it, but there's reports that there's more ongoing investigations with Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. Uh, He's reportedly met with 66 different women for massages. Now look, we're not getting into all of the details or the political side or whatever you want to get into. We're not talking about that, okay? We don't do that on this show. I don't want to get into that. What I want to say, and I'm going to leave it at this, There's no way that the Cleveland Browns can let this man play right now. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. I know it's only June, but the NFL season is a few few days farther than the college football season, so they start around the same time. We're a few months away from that, folks. And if this continues to go on with women coming out saying things about, you know, sexual misconduct or whatever it is that they're saying about Deshaun Watson – There's just no way you can let the guy play until all of this is settled, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. Deshaun Watson, it's it's confusing, and it's just it's it's weird to to see it just new stuff comes out constantly. And I just don't know. First of all, I don't know why the Browns decided to go after Deshaun Watson. And I've said on here and I've gotten some flack for it. I don't think he's all that good. He's decent, but I don't think he's all that good. And the Cleveland Browns knew he was damaged goods when they went and got him, and they did it anyway. And so you want to feel bad for the Browns, and you want to say, dang, you know, that man, you hate to see that, that they've got to deal with that. They paid this guy so much money, but they knew what they were getting when they went after him, and yet here we are, and it just continues to get worse. That side of it, don't want to deal with it for my, on my side. But when it comes to football, there's no way the Cleveland Browns can let this man play until – all of this is cleared up, and look, I don't know if that uh, that will ever happen. This may never get cleared up, and it may come out to some point where he may have actually did something, maybe, right, maybe, but until that, until that decision is made and until people stop coming out and, and alleging him doing stuff, how can you let him play? I just don't say, I don't think you can let it happen if you're the Cleveland Browns with Deshaun Watson. And wrapping up making headlines here on the Wednesday edition of the show on June 8th, 2022, 
In the NHL, the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals, they were down 2 to nothing. They come back, and it is now tied at two games apiece with the New York Rangers. The series all tied up at two, heading back to New York for Game 5. Remember, I said it yesterday, and everybody in, in the world, in the hockey world, wants this to happen. It's so funny. If this game goes to seven games, or if this series, excuse me, goes to seven games between the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, Game seven would be in New York, okay? It'd be in New York, in Madison Square Garden, on the same night that Justin Bieber is supposed to perform in New York, in Madison Square Garden. So, not sure what they're going to do on that situation. I hope it gets there just because I want to see what they would do. (laughs) Honestly, I want to see what they would do. Uh, Who's going to give up first, the NHL scheduling or Justin Bieber? A A lot of people would say... Justin Bieber a lot of people would say the NHL not sure how that's going to go down but game five in New York as the series is tied at two apiece between the Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning also with making headlines we're 87 days away from the college football season 87 days away from September 3rd when the Auburn Tigers will kick off their 2022 college football season it's the countdown to fit it really it's the countdown to 75 days then it's the countdown to 50 days then it's the countdown to 21 days because that would be three weeks and then from there it's on I mean it is absolutely on from that point it's gonna fly by folks I can promise you that 87 days away from the kickoff of the 2022 college football season that's it for making headlines when we come back We're going to do our Wednesday MLB update. Look at the MLB standings. Look where the Atlanta Braves are. Look where a couple of other teams stand as we are right now on June 8th, 2022. The MLB will give an update on the other side of this break. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama on the line. The show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. It's Wednesday, so let's do a little MLB Major League Baseball update uh, as we like to do. I like to do this at least once a week, you know, once a week at least. And I think on Wednesdays is a good day to do it. Middle of the week, hump day, if you will, and just kind of see where the MLB stands, where your Atlanta Braves are, who are... Now above 500, by the way. They're above 500, are the Atlanta Braves. They are 29 and 27. Uh, But we will look at some of these standings. There's a couple of games going on today in the MLB. A couple that have already, or one that already went final, one that is going on right now. The Tigers beat the Pirates. It's a battle of some really bad teams. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, It was a 3-1 victory for Detroit over Pittsburgh. That was a matchup between a team that was 23-33 and 33 and another team that's 24-30. and 30. So take that as you will. Uh, also right now, Kansas City Royals and the Toronto Blue Jays. Royals on top 6-3 to in the bottom of the 6th. But some standings updates for the MLB. Starting in the American League uh, in the East, it's still the New York Yankees who are out in front of everybody by a long shot right now 40 and 15 is their record they sit atop of the American League East follow them is the Toronto Blue Jays at 33 and 22 and then the Tampa Bay Rays right behind them 32 and 23 so the American League East look I expected New York and Toronto to be good I also expected Boston to be better than they are Uh, they are at 29 and 27 so they have battled back 
uh, coming above 500. They struggled out of the gate for a long time. But the Red Sox, uh, of course, I am a Red Sox fan. I like the Boston teams. I like the, you know, the Bruins and the Red Sox and the Celtics, of course. But over their last six games, they've won six in a row. Uh, the end of May, uh, they they had a little bit of a run in the middle of May. Towards the end, they kind of went back and forth. And then ultimately, they are now above 500, which is a miracle in my book. But to wrap out the American League East, 24 at 33 is the Baltimore Orioles. Looking at the American League Central, you have the Minnesota Twins at 32 and 25. They sit atop of the American League Central, followed by the Chicago White Sox. Uh, and every team right now in the American Cent- League Central besides the Minnesota Twins, they are all below 500. The Chicago White Sox, Cleveland uh, Guardians, the Detroit Tigers, and the Kansas City Royals. Then you look at the American League West. Uh, sitting atop of that is the Houston Astros at 36 and 20. And then everybody else in that division is under 500 as well. The Angels, Texas, the Rangers, the Seattle Mariners, and the Oakland A's. Moving on to the National League in the MLB standings on this Wednesday afternoon. In the American League East, it is still the New York Mets on top of the American League East. They sit at 38 and 20 right now, uh, with seven and three in their last 10 games. But right behind them and on their trail is the Atlanta Braves, who have now uh, jumped up above 500. They're two games above 500 at 29 and 27. They are also seven and three in their last 10 games. Uh, last night, Ronald Acuna Jr. hit two moonshots uh, and just really really looked good last night and you hope to see that continue for Ronald Acuna who has tried to come back from some injury problems uh, this season so hopefully he can get fully healthy hopefully the Braves can kind of get back on track a little bit after winning last year's World Series and try to chase down the New York Mets look it's the Mets there's probably a chance or not probably a chance there is a chance and probably will happen that the Mets blow up at some point this season. The Braves have to take advantage of that when it happens. They sit at second in the National League East. And then behind them, the Philadelphia Phillies, the Miami Marlins, and the Washington Nationals. Uh, 26 and 29, the Phillies. Miami's 23 and 30, and Washington is 21 and 36. Moving on to the National League Central, the Milwaukee Brewers sitting at 33 and 24. Right behind them is the St. Louis Cardinals at 32 and 24. So those two teams battling it out in the National League Central. Following them is Pittsburgh at 24 and 30, the Cubs at 23 and 33, and the Cincinnati Reds, who had the ability abysmal start to the season they are 20 and 35 and then to wrap up the major league baseball season update as of wednesday june 8th it is the los angeles dodgers on top of the national league west as we all expected at 35 and 20 but right behind them and have made some ground the san diego padres at 34 and 22 behind them the san francisco giants at 29 and 25 so those three teams are all in the mix right now and really when you look at the other two in that division the Arizona Diamondbacks at 26 and 31 and the Colorado Rockies at 24 and 31 you look at it all of those teams are within 11 games of the Dodgers and that is uh, that's the best in the entire uh, Major League Baseball. The closest would be the American League or the National League Central uh, with the Cincinnati Reds only being 12 games back of Milwaukee. So, look, the MLB, obviously the top teams are a lot better than the bottom teams in the division, but when you look at the National League West, any of those teams could get hot and the other teams could slow down, and that could completely shift everything between the Dodgers, Padres, Giants, uh, the 
Arizona Diamondbacks and the Colorado Rockies. That's what makes baseball so fun. All it takes is for a team to get hot and another team to get cold, and everything can shift. But your Atlanta Braves, 29 and 27, sitting at second in the National League East. And again, the New York Mets. History shows that the Mets are going to blow it at some point. Maybe not this year, but they might. And the Braves got to be ready. Maybe they can go back and win the National League East yet again. Stay tuned. On the other side of this break, the other half of the Ben Taylor interview talking about the new Live Golf League. It's great info. Stay tuned. Thirty minutes left in the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you here on the Wednesday edition of the show. Well, in hour number one, we talked to Ben Taylor of the they're the host of Auburn Opelika this morning on our sister station here at Auburn Networks News Talk WANI, and also the host of Dad Bod Golf Pod, a big time golf podcast that he hosts. And look. We talked to him about the new Live Golf Tournament and the, or not the tournament, but the entire Live Golf League and what it means for a lot of these big time golfers going to this new tour. We played the first half of it in the first half. Here's the second half of Ben Taylor talking about the new Live Golf Tour. PGA Tour has messed up by allowing this to happen. I think I told you, you know, I've heard from other players and other interviews, they've approached the PGA Tour and said, you should not necessarily pay people like this tour is paying people, but give everybody $10,000 to show up at a tournament. A quote-unquote salary, if you will. A salary. And, and they do, now they do get, you know, they do get money put in their pension and that kind of, like, so they have a retirement fund set up for them. But give them ten grand to show up at a tournament. And if they make the cut, they have to give that ten grand back because they're going to be getting paid anyway. Right. But you've got 50% of those golfers that could be new to golf, or not new to golf, but new to the tour, that they're going to go broke if you don't. And there's some people who go, oh, poor baby, you know, we're talking about a bunch of rich guys. Play. Not all of them are that way. Some of them are, are really come from humble beginnings, and they're just very talented. And fresh out of college. Fresh out of college. And a lot of them are not making it on tour because they run out of money. Like it costs get, money to travel to a PGA Tour event yes. across the country and be there for three, four, five days. It costs a lot of money to do that. Boo Weekly, who is now going to be playing on the Champions Tour because uh, he just hit 50, so he's going to be playing on Champions Tour. He was telling us about how when he got started, he literally was from a small town in Florida, and he was going to local Rotary Clubs and Kiwanis Clubs, and he begged for them to give him twenty grand total so he could get started. And he got started playing a few events, he didn't have the money to pay that. And he told him, I don't have the money to pay you back. If I win anything or if I win any money, like the first 20 grand I make, I'll give back to all you guys. But I don't have it, like in order for me to play. And so there's more stories of that. Yeah, some of them come from rich families. But that doesn't excuse the fact that they're still having to go in the hole. You got to pay caddies. You got to pay travel expenses. Um, you got to pay taxes at the yeah. various city because yeah. the state taxes of the state that you're playing in. So it'll be interesting to see if the PGA Tour loosens it up and comes about a different way of involving people in the PGA Tour. And that's the reason I like this Live Tour and it coming about. Is this going to cause some changes down the road for the PGA Tour? Even though the PGA Tour is very stubborn, they're the very last to do anything. 
Yes. You know, even technology-wise, we talked about this on the podcast, Dad Bod Golf Pod, by the way, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the PGA Tour app is the worst app out there for golf. These guys, technology-wise, the Live Tour has said all this will be app and technology-based. Every one of them have a special app that they download and that they're going to have on their phones. This will let them know where they're supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there, who they're supposed to be playing with, visiting with during the pro-ams and stuff like that. Everything will be app-based. There are times that we have done a podcast on a Sunday night for Monday that we get the update of who won the tournament while we're doing the podcast, and the tournament's been over. For hours. For the last four hours. Yeah. Like, that's how bad the PGA Tour app is. Yeah. And so they have got some things they got to shore up, and they've got to – and that – change is good, in my opinion. And that's the thing, is this live tour, regardless of how you feel politically, because some people have talked about it being Saudi money and that kind of thing. Okay, stop with the moral stuff. Because if you're going to do that, those of you that are wearing your Jordans or your or your Nikes that are made overseas in sweatshops, all of you that are tweeting about it on your iPhone where those parts are coming from overseas, yep. then go ahead and if you're going to start with that, then just go ahead and include all of it. You know, either buy American-made products and everything's got to be American, or just don't do it. Right. We're talking strictly golf right here. That's that's the only reason they're going. They're not going for politics. And let me just tell you something. Some of these sponsors that are involved with. Uh, the PGA Tour, they're not lily white either. No. But you guys aren't talking about that. You're just wanting to talk about it because it's Saudi-based. I say let them go get their money. The fact that you got these big names that have jumped in. Taylor Gooch is a good name. A lot of people are like, I don't even know who that guy is. He's got a couple of wins. He's had a couple of good seasons as well. Uh, You know, Phil Mickelson, of course, I don't think he had a choice. I think the PGA Tour has just kind of outcast him. So, Oh, yeah. um, With everything that went down, I I think he, at that point, he had to go. And so, and by the way, he looked terrible. Yes, he did. He looked scary, kind of. It was weird looking. It looks like he's put on sympathy weight. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, not too sure what's going on there. Well, let me ask you one thing. Their first tournament is this weekend in London. Mm -hmm. What are you expecting? from this tournament and then ultimately does this thing survive they did a good job i think it's definitely surviving this year uh the jury's out if they will survive after next year after they do this year i actually think they'll make money this year and the reason i think they'll make money is because they've done the guerrilla marketing enough to they've created a buzz that when you see live tour it automatically generates interest you know, as I said, everybody keeps saying, well, they make enough money to pay, you know, pay themselves back for what they're putting into it. I don't know, you know, as far as that's why I say give it two years. Yes, they're starting out in London is where they'll be for the inaugural event this year uh, or this week. And they have a tendency to put a good crowd out there. They're not going to have the crowds that they have in the United States. And the fact that when they get to Portland, uh, Portland is going to be June 30th through July 2nd. So after they play this event, they'll take a couple of weeks off before they come back. Then they're going to be in Bedminster and uh, where uh, Trump National Golf Club Best Bedminster is. And that's going to be at the end of July. So they're, they're taking like three or four weeks off before each event, which I think is good because that allows them to, quote unquote, make some changes. Hey, this workforce during this tournament, this didn't. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. For the most part, they're going to be playing under USGA rules, even though it's not a USGA-sanctioned event. But they're still going to use the quote-unquote rules of golf. Um, I am curious to see what rules get a little lax. You know, if they make guys hit out of – you know, some of the big complaints are like, stupidest rule in golf, they're making guys hit out of divots. Like, let them move that ball. That's a man-made hazard. They should get to move it. Well, 
I'm kind of wondering if the Live Tour is going to let them do that. Right. They're going to let them kind of move it out of divots when they get the fair. We shall see. Uh, they'll go from Bedminster. They'll stay in the Northeast in Boston and be there uh, the first part of September, again, taking an entire month of August off. He'll be in Chicago, and then they go back overseas. They'll go to Bangkok, Thailand, and uh, and then they'll be uh, in uh, Jada, and then back in Miami is where they'll wrap their season at the iconic uh, Trump National that's down there in Doral, and that will be at the end of October. So uh, it is, it's going to be fun to say that it, it gets people thinking. Um, you know, we on the on the Dad Bod Golf Pod that we've talked about, we're all in. We're all about watching it. It's going to be coming on at different times than the PGA Tour events are going to be coming on. So there's going to be some direct competition. This weekend, the RBC Invitational, they could have played in this. This is an invite tournament. Right. Some of them were RBC-sponsored individuals. Kevin Nall was one. Uh, Dustin Johnson is one. Those have been demolished. Like, they have have dissolved those relationships. So uh, they're not in it. But... Uh, I'm interested to see the only competing really big tournament is this RBC this weekend and the Live Tour event that's going to be going on this weekend. So curious to see what the numbers are on YouTube, Facebook, who's following, who's watching as compared to the RBC because RBC has a fairly decent feel too. But it looks like this this is bigger than people realize. DJ was a big one. Kevin Na was probably the first quote-unquote big name. And all of you people saying, uh, Kevin Na's that big one. Yes, he is. He's a big name. Yes. When you go- when it first got announced that he was out there, when you Googled Live Tour, his picture popped up. Yep. Like, that's how big a name he is. And in the golf world, he's a big name. Now, in the golf world, he's also known as kind of a jerk. But still. Uh, so, but then DJ, when he can't, then all bets were off. And DJ also has resigned his PGA. So that means DJ's out on the Ryder Cup, too. He will not be playing in the next Ryder Cup. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but it's also huge. DJ's one of those that, I mean, he's got very few losses in the Ryder Cup. He was a big Ryder Cup player. So, Ryder Cup's next year. Kind of wonder if they may change some rules between now and then because the captain of the Ryder Cup, which could, you know, they may say, I really need this guy. Like, so what can we do to fix it? So, I I think that all of this is very preliminary and, you know, premature people going, well, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. We don't know. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. Let's let it play out, see how it goes, see if it's a success. Uh, they're not going to be implementing politics into this tournament that we know of thus far. So those that have complained about the Saudis doing this and Saudis, it's just Saudi-backed money right now. There are other guys that are – there are former players that are going to be running this. Here's the thing is I kind of wish he'd have done it. Jack Nicholas was approached about being involved in this. Right. And at first he said, I'm interested. There's an interest there. Now, he eventually backed off and didn't, and he's not involved in it. Greg Norman stayed with it. Now, people have looked at him as being a heel for being a part of it, but Greg Norman's a huge name in the golf world. Uh, he's got he's got shirts and stores with his logo on it, yeah. Shark. So yeah. um, I think it's very interesting. I think it's pushing the envelope a little bit. I like it. Uh, I think competition in any sport is good. Um, I think this is going to – the biggest comparison I told somebody is I said – you look at the NFL and the XFL, mm-hmm. that's not really competition, you know, because XFL players are just not as good as NFL players. This is different because these are PGA Tour players that are going and playing. This would be Tom, this would be, Bra- this would be yes. Tom Brady joining the XFL. Right. That's the shakeup. Like when people ask, well, how big is it really? This would be Tom Brady leaving the NFL, going behind the shield, and going to the XFL. 
and playing and being successful and getting paid a lot of money to do it. Right. And so that's the comparison that I say. You know, this is not, this is not, you know, uh, the the Kobe Bryant's of the world all of a sudden deciding they're going to go to the G League. This isn't a minor league golf league that they're going to. This would be Kobe Bryant leaving the NBA and going to play in NBA Europe and telling the NBA to kiss his rear end. Right. Like, that's what this is. And so that's why it's as big as it is. And so uh, it, it's it's Major League – it's Mike Trout for the Angels leaving and going to play in the Japanese League. Yeah. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. And uh, because it is it is that huge. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to the reception when they come to America. London, don't – if you watch any event this weekend, don't base the crowd size – with the London tournament off the success of the event, because it's all going to be about the numbers and viewers that they get on YouTube and on Facebook. It's also going to be about the number of sponsorships that are included. I am curious, all of these teams they're on are logos. Are they going to have to wear those logos? They haven't said yet. It's interesting. Yeah. And then are they going to merchandise those logos, that type of thing? Something there's a lot to be, there's a lot to be done right here with, with there's so many possibilities, but look, when it comes down to it, I'm not going to complain about more golf right now right. until they give us a reason to not enjoy it and not like this live tour. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to enjoy it because, like you said, this is PGA golfers playing in a different league, so it's still going to be good quality golf. Yes. I think it's going to be fun. There's a lot of money being thrown around, <laughs> and there's different rules, and I think, I think it's exciting, and it's a good time for golf. We'll see how it goes. Ben Taylor, thank you so much for your time. As yeah, always, man. let everybody know where they can listen to your podcast. Uh, Dad Bod Golf Pod, you can just search for that. You'll find it. We celebrated our annual start. This is our, our first year uh, today, as a matter of fact. Ah, so, congratulations. A uh, new episode is out today. Uh, me, Kyle Rush, Nate Pass. Uh, Nate joined a little bit later. He's not celebrating a year. Uh, Kyle and I are celebrating a year. We started this a year ago. Um, I always say that my appendix being removed gave Nate an opportunity because Kyle needed somebody <laughs> to be on the show when I was in the hospital for nine days. Uh, so we celebrate a year today, so you can go wherever you get your podcast. Also, we're on YouTube, so you can set, search Dad by Golf Pod on YouTube. Watch that. We'd love for you to leave comments. We do actually take a lot of interaction from the fans when they ask us to, hey, can you talk about this? Can you discuss this? We will do that. And we will, if, if you give us permission, we will use your name to say that we talked about it as well. Uh, and if you don't catch me on the podcast, you can always listen to me on our sister station, Auburn Opelika This Morning News Talk, WANI, 6 to 9, Monday through Friday. The Abbey Award winning, by the way. That's right. Abbey Award winning for a long time. So, Ben <laughs> Taylor, thank you so much for your time yet again. I hope to have you on soon. This was the first time, and I hope we can do it again in the future. Thanks, man. You got it. That was Ben Taylor of Auburn Opelika this morning on News Talk WANI and of Dad Bod Golf Pod, the golf podcast. Uh, him talking about the new Live Golf Tour and what to expect from the inaugural tournament going on in London this weekend. Big thank you to Ben Taylor coming on the show. We play, we had the first half of the interview in hour number one and the second half of the interview here in hour number two. If you missed that interview uh, of the one right now or in hour number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Let's take our final break here in hour number two. When we come back, I'll have final take. We'll wrap up the Wednesday edition of the show. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you here for a couple of more minutes with final take of the day here on this June 8th, 2022. 
Sun is shining. It's become a beautiful afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. That is not my final take, but it is a take nonetheless. That it is beautiful. I hope the rain has stayed away. I think it has. And so hopefully we can enjoy the rest of the afternoon. It's been a great show here today on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. If you've missed any of it, go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following today's show. Again, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. We've talked about a lot today here on the show, and our first segment back in hour number one will be, uh, you'll hear about that here in my final take in just a second, but talked about Auburn football in the transfer portal and how they have answered the call with nine players from the transfer portal. I think most of them will have immediate impact on this year's football team. Also had the Ben Taylor interview. He is the host of Auburn Opelika this morning on our sister station here at Auburn Networks, News Talk WA&I, and also the co-host of the Dad Bod Golf Pod uh, podcast. We had him on to talk about the new Live Golf tour and what to expect from their first tournament this weekend in London and why so many big name golfers are moving on over moving on from the PGA and going to the live golf tour also had making headlines today and the Wednesday MLB update so lots that went down on today's show make sure you go and find the podcast just search on the line wherever you get your podcasts look my final take today I said it would play into the first segment we had on today's show and it will Auburn football has been successful in the transfer portal, and they have answered the call of everybody that said they were failing. Because at one point, they were. Auburn football, just a few months ago, they were failing on the recruiting trail, they were failing in the transfer portal, and they were failing to keep their own team together. Just a few months ago, they were failing to do that. They have turned this ship around This ship around in just a couple of months. Remember in February when it was hitting the fan and everything was going wrong and we didn't know from day to day, hour to hour, if Brian Harson was even going to be here anymore as a head football coach? Well, he's still here. And remember when Auburn was struggling on the recruiting trail and it seemed like the coaching staff wasn't even visiting high schools or players? Think about Tiger Takeover, where they visited almost every high school in the state of Alabama. Remember when we had the complaints about Auburn in the transfer portal, where they couldn't get anybody, and nobody wanted to come to Auburn, and what was Auburn going to do with all of the holes on this football team, offensively and defensively? They've gone and gotten nine guys out of the transfer portal, seven of which will see the field this fall and make big impacts for this team this fall. What else can we say? Auburn has answered the call here in this offseason. Auburn has handled business in the offseason to the best that they could with the situations that they had. Sure, we would all like to see more players come from the transfer portal. We would all like to see maybe even some better players come from the transfer portal. We would like to see more guys committed to the 2023 recruiting class. But all of that is on the way up. The momentum is gaining for those. The transfer portal is probably done at this point. And the recruiting is just getting started. Auburn football and Brian Harson has done exactly what they needed to do in this offseason. And I think it will pay off for them in the long run. There's nothing else we can say. And I asked you the question, are you impressed and are you satisfied with what Auburn has done in the transfer portal? Are you satisfied with what Auburn has done with recruiting and what they will do and what they brought in through the portal? 
if you ask me, I am. I'm absolutely impressed. I'm satisfied, I'm impressed, and I think it's only going to get better, and you should be satisfied and impressed as well. You can't ask for anything better out of the transfer portal than what Auburn's done right now. Sure, recruiting maybe you'd like to have some more, but I think they're going to come, so just give us some time. That's it for the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.